Going without. It means abstaining. It means I am going to sacrifice something that I normally enjoy in order to focus more on God and on His kingdom and on my relationship with God. And I'm going to ask for God to do something special. Maybe you have a special need in your life. Maybe you have a deep request that you've been asking God for weeks or months to meet. And so far, you haven't got an answer. Well, maybe you could focus on fasting and prayer and we'll see a breakthrough for that particular request. So whether it's, it's fasting from food or drink or entertainment or social media or anything that might distract us from uh, pursuing God 100%, that's what we're going to focus on. You'll see more about this in the coming weeks, but it begins next weekend. Also beginning in the month of January is a marriage class. So if you are a married couple or if you're engaged or if you're seriously dating and maybe you've talked about the M word in your conversation with your significant other, uh, this class is totally for you. It's called Love and Respect. And it's talking about how couples get into this thing called the crazy cycle and how, with God's help, they can get out of the crazy cycle. It's a 13-week series. It begins January 22nd. It's going to be during this hour, the 1040 hour, downstairs. And it'll be taught by one of our elders, Will Hutchinson, and his wife, Mary Rose. So I hope you'll sign up for that. There's a sign-up sheet in the front lobby area as well. High schoolers are going to camp next week. I imagine with all the rain coming, there's going to be tons of snow up there in Hume Lake. If you know of a high schooler who still wants to go, maybe we can help send that person there. So they're leaving this coming Friday for Hume Lake. Well, 2017, Happy New Year, everyone. And I hope that this is going to be a great and awesome year. I hope it's going to be like Jeremiah 33 for you, where, it, where God, he actually challenges us. And he says, call on me. And I will answer you, says the Lord, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know of. So as we say hello to a brand new year, 2017, we're saying goodbye to this year, 2016. There was a lady who tweeted, uh, apparently she didn't have a really good year because she tweeted and she said, I wrote to 2016 and I said we all wanted our money back. There was another uh, uh, columnist, he's a kind of a comedian, he writes really funny stories, his name is Dave Barry, he wrote 2016, A Year in Review, and he took every month of last year, and he said this is what was happening during that month, and he was so perturbed by what happened this year, excuse my French for saying this, but the title of his article was 2016, what the hell? So that was uh, his comment on the year, I think November 8th of this last year was a remarkable day, uh, which some say might live in infamy and other people think it's the greatest thing that happened. It marked the end of a challenging election season. It marked the end of about 16 months of this tumultuous, uh, uh, just full of dissension in the election cycle. And if we were honest, uh, we were all glad that it was over. We sort of gasped into November 8th and hopefully 120 some million Americans cast their vote for president and other events. I know that, especially in a place like Sebastopol, probably many more than half of the population did not get the results they were looking for. People are concerned. Some people are even frightened about what the future is going to bring in what we now call the divided states of America. 2016 was remarkable for other reasons, too. 
We saw this older politician. He's 74 years old, yet he's been in Congress 25 years. He's, a, he's sort of a newcomer on the national scene. He's an outsider. His name's Bernie Sanders. I don't know if anybody was feeling the Bernie this last year. But at, uh, of all people, 74 years old, and he's the guy who appeals to the under 30 crowd. I, it's, it's amazing. I, I think it might have had something to do with his platform of free college tuition and guarantee that somehow the government was going to pay off your college debt. Would that get your vote, young people? I imagine it would. Other events that happened this last year. We were hacked by the Russians. Shocker. What a surprise. We were panicked by the Zika virus. We saw the breakup of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, which proves that no matter how good-looking you are, it doesn't guarantee a good marriage. They legalized marijuana in California this, this year in the election, and Beyonce was ruling the music world, Hamilton was ruling the theaters. We said goodbye to sports greats, and I know you may not be Lakers fans down here, but he was a great. Kobe Bryant retired this last year. Vin Scully, great radio announcer for the Dodgers, he retired after 60-some years of broadcasting. And after he helped his team win the Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning retired this last year. In technology, we saw live streaming take off, and if you're on the internet now watching us via live streaming... Thank 2016 for the popularity of that. Virtual reality got even more real last year. We had the Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We saw swimming great Michael Phelps win even more gold and silver and bronze medals to become the greatest Olympian as far as winning medals ever. We saw Usain Bolt win his third 100-meter and 200-meter dash in a row, three Olympics in a row. Nobody's ever done that in sprinting. We saw the U.S. women's female gym, or that would be female, right? If they're women, they're female. Is that how that works? The U.S. female gymnastics team, they took gold and wowed everybody in these last Olympics. And after 108 years, there were sightings of pigs that were actually flying in Chicago because the Cubs won the World Series. In May, Great Britain decided to divorce itself from the European Union and voted for the, what we call the Brexit, the British exit. Sadly, there were terrorist attacks around the world and in the United States. They happened in Brussels, Belgium at an airport. There was another attack, a machine gun attack, and killed a bunch of people at a nightclub in Orlando. There was a truck attack of a July independence celebration in southern France. There was another truck attack of a Christmas shopping bazaar in Berlin, Germany. And a Russian ambassador just lost his life recently being assassinated in Turkey. 2016 saw a major increase in racial tensions across America. There were five police officers shot down in Dallas. There were other officers shot in Minnesota. Nightly protests led to rioting in Baltimore, Ferguson, Chicago, and other cities. Officers were killed in Louisiana. 84% of Americans in a survey recently said that, that 2016 saw a major increase in anger and hostility between different racial and ethnic groups. How sad. We haven't really come that far, have we? Many well-known people passed away in 2016. There's Nancy Reagan, the wife of President Ronald Reagan. Muhammad Ali, the iconic boxer, passed away. 
Gary Marshall, the great Hollywood director and creator of Happy Days. Any of you people remember Monday, Tuesday, Happy Days? That was Gary Marshall's creation, and Laverne and Shirley, and Joni Loves Chachi, and of course that was a train wreck, but the other shows were really good. He invented The Odd Couple. He invented movies like Valentine's Day and New Year's Day and Mother's Day. So those are some beloved movies by Gary Marshall. Another um, gentleman who survived the Holocaust as a 15-year-old and went to write about it in great lengths, making the world aware of the Holocaust so it would never happen again. Elie Wiesel passed away. The first astronaut to orbit the Earth, John Glenn, passed away. David Bowie, the music icon, Ziggy Stardust, the one who sang the song Fame, makes a man to think things over, also sang a duet with Freddie Mercury called Under Pressure, and many other songs. David Bowie died this past year. On the Supreme Court, we lost one of our justices, Antonin Scalia, passed away. And of course, that's created a big controversy over what the future of the Supreme Court is and how that's going to affect laws in our country in the coming years. Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, passed away this last year. George Michael, the pop singer of the group Wham! Anybody remember that song, Wake Me Up Before You What? Before You Go-Go? Uh, he died this last Christmas day. In fact, he had a Christmas song. It was really sad. It's not even a good Christmas song, but it was last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, what did you do with it? You gave it away. That's not very nice. George Michael passed away. And then, of course, a mother-daughter passed away just this last week. Carrie Fisher of Star Wars icon, and then Debbie Reynolds, who was in Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. She passed away. George Barna, in 2016, did some excellent research into America's religious and moral values, and he basically said that there is now uh, an overall end of absolute morality in the United States, and there is now a new moral code in the country. I'm not going to go over every detail that's up on the screen with you, but basically, when it comes down to it, we have moved now in America's morals to now what we call the morality of self-fulfillment. The morality is called self-fulfillment. That's the highest moral value there is anymore. And the two guiding principles are this. The first guiding principle is the best way to find yourself is to look within yourself. Kind of the way that uh, the blue fairy told Pinocchio, always let your conscience be your guide. As if, and, and of course, the real question is what's in your conscience? What kind of moral values are inside yourself? So the, the guiding principle is the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. And then the second guiding principle of America's new morality is to be fulfilled in life. You should pursue the things that you desire the most. To be fulfilled in life, pursue whatever you desire the most. Of course, it sort of contrasts Jesus when he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. So friends, church, I think the best way that all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, the best way that we can move forward in 2017 is to keep our faith firmly in something that's a whole lot more reliable and trustworthy than just, quote, looking within yourself. 
I mean, the, the prophet Jeremiah pointed out the sad truth of what's really in our hearts when we look within ourselves. Didn't Jeremiah say this in chapter 17? He said, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really knows how bad the human heart is? The answer is God really knows how bad the human heart is. That's why he's telling us the truth about ourselves in the Bible. Jesus says it this way in Mark chapter 8. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. The message goes on to say this, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It's my way, says Jesus. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Good question. What could you ever trade your soul for? And so trying to live only for yourself by just pursuing your own selfish goals, that's the opposite of Jesus' teaching. That's the opposite of Jesus' example. He said, he said the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He's our example for how to live our life. So it's not just living for yourself, it's living for Jesus and to glorify Him. You know, sometimes you, you see somebody have this, this disposition or they're in, a, they're in a bad way, they're mad about something or they're frustrated or they're going off on something and you, and you see somebody said, man, that guy really has an attitude. You know, when they say that, it's hardly ever in a positive way, is it? An attitude, let's just, let's just stop and define it together. An attitude is a frame of mind. An attitude is the way that you look at the world. An attitude is your mindset of how you approach the world. There used to be a slang phrase where we would say, and this is years ago, so I'm dating myself when I say, when I say this, but we used to say somebody was sporting a tood. Sporting a tood. That phrase is made popular by this, this uh, women's speaker and author. She's really funny. Her name's Patsy Claremont. There she is, like, saying, are you sporting a tood? You know, she kind of looks like the church lady, too, doesn't she? Like, I don't know, where'd you get a thought like that? I don't know, where did that come from? Maybe, um, Satan? So there's Patsy Claremont with sporting a tood. Church, let's pause for a moment and ask yourself this question. What is, just think of where you are right now, first day, 2017, Happy New Year and all that, what's the future? What is this next 365 days going to look like for you? What is the attitude that you carry around most of the time? And how important is that attitude? What is your attitude toward those people who are around you, especially those who are closest to you? What kind of attitude do they see in you? You know, apparently, if you want to come on staff at Willow Creek Community Church, which is a big church in Chicago, they're the guys that are probably minus six degrees right now, and even though pigs did fly, I still wouldn't want to live there. So, so Chicago, you know, Willow Creek, they have eight principles that guide them when they're hiring new ministry staff. And the number two value that they look for in hiring a new staff member is this, someone who has a positive, infectious, optimistic attitude. In fact, they say that if the church has to choose on, between job skills on the one hand and somebody who has a positive, infectious attitude on the other hand, they'll take the person who has the positive, infectious attitude every single time. 
So our attitude, it's important as we're going into this new year. Because really, you think about it, we all face an uncertain future. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to each of our lives in the coming year. We just don't know. Think back on this last year, 2016. Could you have predicted all the things that were going to happen to you this past year? For me and Lisa, we sure didn't know a year ago that we'd be sitting or standing here in Sebastopol on January 1, 2017. We were just trying to follow Jesus and see where he led us. We knew that God was stirring our hearts and to make a change, to go to a church where we could use our gifts and our passions for his glory. So we knew that there was a change in the air, but we didn't know where it was going to lead us. But we knew that God was good and he had great plans for us. He was going to plan, have plans to bless us and not to harm us. So we were trusting him, but we certainly could not have predicted that we would be here today with all of you. So we certainly can't predict or control events that are going to be coming to us, each one of us, this next year. But, the, you know, there is one thing that we can control. I'll, I'll say, not, there's, not a whole lot, there's not a whole bunch of things in life that you and I can control. But there's one thing that you and I can control, and that is our attitude. Chuck Sundahl is a great pastor and speaker and author. He used to pastor a church in Fullerton, down where we live. Chuck Sundahl says, attitude is everything. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. The truth is, we're not all in charge of very much in this world, but one thing we are in charge of, and that's our attitude. Do you remember there was, a, there was a song that came out in the 40s and 50s? I don't ask you young people. You remember that song? Like as if you were even alive back then, right? But in the 1940s, there was a song that came out. It was popularized by Ella Fitzgerald. I just heard her singing on YouTube this week. The song was called Accentuate the Positive. Accentuate the positive. Eliminate the negative. And that's as much singing as you're going to get out of me. <laughs> Choir, do not call me. Because I will not be responding to that voicemail. But there was a great song, Accentuate the Positive. It was actually written in 1944 by a man named Johnny Mercer. He wrote the song right after he listened to a sermon. And I can't imagine what the sermon was, but it inspired him to write this song. And so he says, Accentuate the Positive, Eliminate the Negative, Latch on to the Affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Spread joy up to a maximum. Bring gloom down to a minimum. And have faith in the pandemonium that's liable to walk upon the scene. Isn't that a great song? Sometimes that's, that's how we get inspired. That's how sometimes we can help ourselves turn away from a negative, sour attitude and turn toward a positive, optimistic attitude. How to have the right attitude in life. You know, Joshua in the Bible, Joshua had a good friend named Caleb, and they were partners. They, they were sent out of this group of 12 men, leaders from each one of the tribes of Israel. And when Israel was on the cusp of going into the promised land, Moses gave in to the people and he says, fine, I'll send out these spies. They'll go check out the land. They'll come back and they'll give us a report. And Joshua and Caleb, out of the 12, they were the only two that came back with a positive report. Yes, it was a land folk that was flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there were giants in the land. But Joshua and Caleb were the guys that were saying, you know what? Who cares about the giants? 
We've got a great and awesome God. Didn't he part the Red Sea for us? Doesn't he give us miracle food every morning? Don't we have a cloud over ourselves to keep us cool by day? Don't we have a miraculous pillar of fire by night to keep us warm? Every day God is showing us his miraculous power. And he says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. Let's trust God. There's a guy who had a positive attitude. In Numbers 14, God says about Caleb, he says, My servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, and so I will bring him into the land that he explored. And his descendants, which happened to be the tribe of Judah, happened to be where David came from, his descendants will possess their full share of that land. So when you go back to that story, and the 12 spies came back, and only Joshua and Caleb had a good attitude, had a confident in God attitude where they could overcome. They were the only ones out of that whole generation of Israelites. They were the only two that actually entered into the promised land. Can you believe that? It's very sad to think that all the rest of the Israelites who had a negative, pessimistic, mistrusting attitude toward God and his ability to bring them into the promised land. How sad to read their story, their collective bad attitude that prevented an entire generation of God's people from going in to where God was leading them. And in the next 40 years, how sad to see that day by day, every one of that adult disbelieving generation died in the desert. Friends, if you don't think a bad attitude matters to God, think again. God takes your attitude and my attitude seriously. It matters to him a lot. And so let's just stop and ask the question, how? How are you and I going to turn around a negative, sour, bad, pessimistic attitude? How are we going to turn that around and turn it into a positive one? We need God's help. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, let the Holy Spirit... Renew your thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit renew your attitudes and put on your new nature, which is created to be like God in all righteousness and holiness. So when Paul says, how are you going to get the right mindset? How are you going to get the right attitude? He says, you got to let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. The Bible says that we become transformed. We become more like Jesus in the way we think, in the way we speak, in the way we act, we become more like Him as we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. As our mind gets renewed and becomes thinking more like God thinks, having the values that God has, we're going to have a new mindset and we're going to have a more positive, optimistic attitude. Friends, when it comes to our attitude, that's where the challenge is. We, we are responsible. We are in charge of our attitude. And the only attitude that you really have control over is your own attitude. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'm going to expect a certain reply. Here's the first question. Who is the most difficult person that you will ever lead in your life? You. Who's the most difficult person that you will ever lead in your life? And the answer is you. Whose job is it to keep my ego at bay? That's my job. Who's responsible for me stopping my natural mission drift away from God and His purposes? Who's responsible for stopping that mission drift? That's my job. Who's responsible 
for keeping fear from crippling me in the future. That's my job. Whose job is it to keep my passion for God hot and his kingdom forefront in my life? That's my job. And now, friends, here's the question for you. And here's your response. You know what the response is. And now, friends, here's the question. Whose job is it to change a negative, sour, ornery attitude in this coming year? Whose job is it? That's my job. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you whose job it is not. It is not your spouse's job to change you. Sorry, spouses. If you, if you said yes to that, I'm going to recommend the Love and Respect marriage class for you coming in January. It's not your spouse's job. It's not your boss's job to change around your attitude. It's not your coach's job. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your life group leader's job. I'll ask you, it's not even your neighbor's job. I'll ask you again, and I want you to give me your response, and I want you to just say it out loud. Whose job is it to change a negative, sour, ornery attitude around in this coming year? That's my job. That's right. I'm the one who needs to change my attitude. I will own it, and I will pay the price to fix it. And so will you. And so if you and I are serious about praying, God, I need a new year. I need a new year in 2017. Please help me. You have to know that to God, having a bad attitude is a really big deal to him. And here's the truth. No one, no one in life gets a consistent good attitude without fighting for it. Nobody gets a consistently good attitude without fighting for it. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. When you made your good, in, when you made your good confession, Timothy, in front of many witnesses. Timothy, you want to grow in your life. You want to be a good leader. You want to have an influence for God in this world in the future. He says you've got to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to fight to have a good attitude. It doesn't always come naturally. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you just don't naturally fall into a good attitude. And so we're going to go through six ways that you and I can work on, six helps, six little pieces of advice to help us change around from having a bad, ornery, negative attitude into having a positive one. By the way, when I say that word ornery, ornery is a good Midwestern word. I looked it up in the dictionary. Ornery says something like uh, ugly, unpleasant, negative, sour all the time. You know, the glass is half empty, not half full. That, that's ornery. Rebellious, uh, having an attitude of my way or the highway, that's what having an ornery attitude is. We don't want to have an ornery attitude in 2017. So how are we going to overcome this? Number one, sometimes we just got to stop and take a time out. Take a time out. You ever do that as parents with your kids? Sometimes they're spinning out of control. Whoa, what are we going to do here? You know what? You need to just stop and take a time out. You need to stop, take a time out, and you need to self-evaluate. And you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. One of the questions when you self-evaluate is, how did I get here? How did I get to this negative, pessimistic, sour, the, you know, the, you know, the sky is falling attitude? We're all doomed attitude. Where did you get that attitude? Where did it come from? What was your thought processes? What was I thinking about that led me to this attitude? 
And then practice that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you take a time out. You stop and evaluate yourself. How did you get here? And then you pray. You pray and you talk to God. And you say, God, is this something that I need to talk with you about? Because I don't think I'm going in the right direction. Pray and ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you change your attitude. Sometimes the best way to, to pray is to pray God's word. Have you noticed this with little kids? You know, you probably saw our two grandkids. They're downstairs right now. Cammy and Cade, they're four and two years old. I remember uh, Cammy when she was learning to talk, and now Cade is two, and he's learning to talk. He understands everything. You can, you can give him two, three complete sentences. He knows exactly what you're saying, and he goes and does it sometimes. Okay? Um, but when Cade talks, he's not exactly pronounce, pronouncing everything just right. So sometimes instead of water, he'll just come up and say, Wawa, 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 Wawa. And I know what he's saying, but you also know that you're trying to correct his pronunciation so that he will be understood by everybody else who's not his immediate parent or grandparent. And they know his language, right? So you're trying to say, Kate, it's water. Would you like a glass of water, please? Yes, okay, I will get you a glass of water. Kate, say water. Water. Okay, you're like, okay, water, and you patient, and you keep working with them so that they will say things in the right way and communicate in the language. So how does the child learn how to speak correctly? By listening to the parent, by listening to the language. What's the analogy with prayer and God? How do we learn to talk with God in prayer? We first listen to God and learn his language, and we start learning things like, wow, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit a negative, pessimistic, ornery attitude? Or is the fruit of the Spirit, wow, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I didn't read ornery in any of that. So, so how do we have a better attitude? Sometimes you take a time out, you self-evaluate, we pray. The next step, we read the Bible. Sometimes we have God's Word come into my life, and it's like food. We feed on the spiritual food of God's Word. It lifts us up in our spirit. We read a psalm like Psalm 23, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am temporarily here on this planet, and I will go through trials and tribulations. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have troubles. But take courage. I have overcome the world. This life here on earth is temporary. Life eternal with Christ is forever. And so I'm going to endure what I have to endure because a great future is coming my way in Jesus Christ and in faith in him. Where did I get that? I got that from reading God's word. I got that from renewing my mind with the word of God instead of with the negative stuff that we listen to and pump our heads with in this world today. So we, we stop, we self-evaluate, we pray, we read the Bible. Now we've come to the step that's one of my favorite ways to turn a negative attitude around. How do you become more positive? Number three, you listen to spirit-lifting music. 
Spirit-lifting music. You listen to music that lifts up your soul and lifts up your spirit. We just talked about that one song, Accentuate the Positive, Eliminate the Negative. You listen to that song, it's pretty hard to stay negative. What about another song? Some of the songs are Christian. Some of the songs have God's Word in it. We just sang that great song about worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy and holy is He. Okay, that's, that's quoting Scripture in music. So we renew, we get lifted up by listening and, and singing songs like that. But you know, there's other songs. There's other songs that aren't necessarily Christian, but they're still uplifting songs. Back in the 80s, there was a, a, a singer named Bon Jovi, and he had a song, and it was pretty uplifting. Let's just listen to the beginning of this song and see if it does anything for you. Anybody know that song? It's called Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. You know, let me, let me just quote a few bars of that. You know, Tommy's down on his luck. He's working down at the union dock, and they're on strike, and, and life's tough right now. But Tom's got this, Tommy's got this girl, and she's Gina, and she's a waitress. She, yeah, she's working for the man. She's bringing home her pay, and she's doing it for love. They've got love. So what do they say? They say, we got to hold on to what we got. We, we got each other, and that's a lot for love. Let's give it a shot. Ho! Ah. Oh, and then the next thing you know, we're halfway there. Ho! Oh, we're living on a prayer, right? Take my hand. We'll make it, I swear. Oh, we're living on a prayer. There is uplifting music that's out there. If you think I'm Pete Pagan now and you say, Jim, you need to come up with some Christian music. I got another song for you. This is a good one, too. This is a song by Kathy Crown. Time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth. Listen to a spirit-lifting song like that, like the voice of truth. You say there's two voices you can listen to in life. You can listen to that voice that says you're nothing, you're nobody, you're a failure. You tried again, you're going to fail again. You listen to that voice, or you can listen to the voice of truth that says do not be afraid. The voice of truth that says this thing you're going through, it's for my glory, and of all, of all the voices that I choose to believe, I'm going to believe the voice of truth. See, that turns our negative attitude around. It turns us toward the right way of thinking. We listen to spirit-lifting music like that. What else can we do to lift up and change our negative attitude around? Number four, we can get some physical exercise. Something I wanted to tell you, you guys all, not everybody, but many of you filled out those green sheets when Lisa and I first got here, and you said, here are some great activities that you can do around the Sebastopol area. Fun places to go, great places to eat, things like that. We tried some of the places to eat. But this last uh, weekend on Friday, just two days ago, our family, we all took off, got in the car, and we went over to the place that half of you guys wrote about on this green sheet. We went over to a place called Armstrong Woods. Have you guys ever been there? How many of you guys have been to Armstrong Woods? 
It's like, how many of you guys have a pulse? Yeah, it's like, everybody raise their hand, right? So we go to Armstrong Woods, beautiful place, colder than we thought. You know, it's like 58 degrees out here with the sunshine. You go in there in the shade and the canopy, and it's like there's a chill in the air, you know, 100% humidity. It's beautiful, though. We took a great walk, got some fresh air, had a great time with the family. We got some physical exercise. It just uplifted our spirit going there. It was awesome. So get some physical exercise. You know what releases endorphins? They're actually known as antidepressants. So getting physical exercise can help turn you around. Number five, another way that you can turn it around is you can call a friend. Call a good friend, a positive, encouraging friend, somebody you can share your burdens with. Some people are, are super uplifting in their attitude. I got this buddy, Joe Karcher, and whenever I'm down, whenever I need a, an encouraging word, I call him up because he is a positive guy. He's a guy that I, that I liken to in the New Testament. There's a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. In other words, if you want to see somebody who's the absolute model of, of what encouragement looks like, walking in a human being, it would be Barnabas. I'm sure he just lit up a room every time he went in there. I'm sure that everybody he talked to, he made feel better. He gave them an encouraging word. That's what we need to do. Maybe we need to be that friend for somebody else so they can call us and we can encourage them. But call a friend when you need somebody. And then finally, the, the last step of turning around a negative, sour, ornery attitude into a positive, optimistic attitude, the last step is something that you guys are already doing today, and I commend you for it. Number six is you need to attend weekend services, attend church on the weekend, whether Saturday or Sunday, and you also need to attend a life group during the week. And I'll tell you one thing a life group does during the week, first of all, I don't know anybody who's growing in their faith as a Christ follower who only goes to one service a week. You know, that might be enough to tread water, basically keep from drowning spiritually, but I don't know anybody who's growing that only goes to church once a week. So we need something between Sunday and Sunday and something during the week, something like a life group where you can talk to encouraging friends, where you can pray together where you can talk to somebody and maybe get a different perspective on life and help turn that negative attitude around in a life group. We have many life groups in this church. You can look on our bulletin, you can find one, and you can join one. So attending a weekend service and getting your spirit lifted up there and also in a life group. Friends, sometimes we got to go on the offense. We can't just be defensive. We have to say, I've got to do something. I've got to change my way of thinking if I'm going to face 2017 and have it be a more positive, optimistic year for me. So let's go to a Bible verse, because there's a Bible verse that says, if you want to have a positive outlook on life, you need to be thinking about these things, in other words, and parentheses, not thinking about other things. So when we go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, it's a great passage. It's, it tells us what we should be focusing on. And it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about these things. In other words, focus your mind on good, positive, uplifting things, not on the negative things, and you will have a change around in your attitude, and it can happen for you every single day of this next year 
in 2017. So we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We focus on the positive things, whatever is true and noble and admirable and uplifting and right and lovely. That good positive attitude, we remind ourselves to have that God's truth in our lives no matter what circumstances we are facing. And then here's the, another, here's the other thing. Let, if, sometimes it's hard. I, I'm, I, I have a hard time, let's say, expressing my emotions other than anger and frustration. I'm pretty good at that. But, but other emotions like joy and kindness and happiness, you know, uh, we watch a sitcom. Lisa's laughing her head off at a sitcom. And she looks over and she says, didn't you think that was funny? And I was like, yeah, that was funny. You know, and I'm just, I'm just looking there like, well, and she says, then notify your face. Like you ever heard, you ever, if you, if you really do have the joy of the Lord inside, notify your face, right? Let the joy come out. There's great value. There's power. Do you know there's power in a smile? Those of you who read the daily devotional on December 24th this year, you know what was in that devotional because it says there is power. There's value in a smile. It says a smile costs nothing, but it creates much. A smile enriches those who receive it without impoverishing those who give it. A smile happens in a flash, but the memory of it can last forever. There's a power of the smile. I know the power of the smile. I should know. I've been married to a smiler for about 32 years now. I'm married to a lovely woman, Lisa, who has a beautiful smile, and I've seen the effect that Lisa's smile has on me and on the rest of the family, and on other people that she's around. Her smile is contagious, and she spreads love and joy when she smiles like that. And I've seen the effect it has on other people. So guess what? If you're in church today, if you're worshiping God like the rest of us with other Christ followers, you've already made an excellent decision for this coming year. You are setting your priorities right. You're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in, the life, in your life. And you know what? When you do that, you will experience so much more joy and love and a positive attitude in this coming year of 2017. So, church, let's review. And this is where you're going to respond to me in, a, in an out loud voice, okay? So let's review that one question that we asked many times in this message. Whose job is it, church? Whose job is it to have a positive, uplifting attitude in your own life in 2017. That's my job. And you know what? By God's grace, when we do this together in our church, then friends in this community, everything is going to change for the better. Everything is going to change for the better. We can march confidently into this next year, 2017, and, and have the God confidence that he's going to lead us where he wants us to go, and we're going to follow, and great blessings are going to follow. William Carey was the first modern missionary. He went to the continent of India back in the late 1700s. William Carey said this. Talk about a man of faith. William Carey said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for, for God. If we do that in 2017, we're going to see God do some great and mighty things among us this year. So church, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to have a prayer together. This prayer is not going to close out the, the service because we still have communion and offering. But we are going to pray this together. We're going to commit ourselves 
to God and to having the kind of attitude that God wants us to have in 2017. So let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your teaching that is in your word that helps us to understand what our responsibilities are to partner with you in this coming year. Lord, help me personally. Help me to lift up my attitude and the attitude of other people. Lord, help me to remember that it's my job. Help this moment to be a time of deep, lasting commitment that we all make together in this room. God, we know that you will help us as we take these steps of faith. So, Lord, I take full responsibility for the improvement of my attitude in this coming year, 2017. Lord, may I become a more hope-filled, optimistic, God-honoring person in the days ahead. Lord, help me be a person that has a consistently good and even sometimes a great attitude in front of my family and my friends and my co-workers and my neighbors an attitude, Lord, that will inspire them to grow closer to you because you're the one who's renewing my mind. God, you're the one who's changing my attitude around every single day. So, Lord, let each one of us today join together and encourage one another so that collectively we, as your local church body, we will lift up Jesus in our community. May this change, Lord, may it start with me, and may it start with each person here. And may we march into 2017 with a great, positive, Christ-centered attitude, filled with your Spirit, and blessed by you so that you can use us to bless other people. And together, we all agreed in this prayer, and all God's people said together, amen. We're going to go ahead and have a seat now. What we're going to do is continue our worship. We're going to celebrate communion. In the last book of the Bible, last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where it wraps human history up and Jesus returns. When Jesus returns and he's about to bring down the new heaven and the new earth, he says in chapter 21, he says, Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is going to make everything new. He's starting to make everything new inside each of us. He's renewing us from the inside out to start to have his attitudes. Where did it all begin? You know, the end of history is going to be where Jesus ushers in the new heaven and the new earth. But where did it all begin? We just talked about that for the last month. It all began when Jesus decided to become a human being and to come into our world and to walk and live among us and teach us and show us what God is like and who God is and what His love looks like. And that love that actually would give His own life and would sacrifice Himself on a cross so that we could be forgiven, that we could be made into a right relationship with God, and we could be put into God's family forever. We're going to celebrate with Jesus someday when He says, Behold, I'm making all things new. What we're going to celebrate right now is the memory of his sacrifice for us on Calvary. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we honor you this morning. We lift you up. You were the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. You're the one whose sacrifice brings us that forgiveness and new life with God. And so, Lord, all the glory and honor goes to you. 
Lord, guide our thoughts and our time in this time of communion now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.